First John chapter 4, we're going to read verses 7 through 19 to begin. The Bible says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from Yahweh, and everyone who loves has been born of Yahweh and knows Yahweh. The one who does not love does not know Yahweh, because Yahweh is love. Yahweh's love was revealed among us in this way. Yahweh sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we loved Yahweh, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if Yahweh loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen Yahweh. If we love one another, Yahweh remains in us and His love is perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him, and He in us. He has given to us from His Spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh, Yahweh remains in Him, and He in Yahweh. And we have come to know and to believe the love that Yahweh has for us. Yahweh is love. And the one who remains in love remains in Yahweh. And Yahweh remains in him. In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as he is in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because He first loved us. Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. I had originally planned on teaching in Matthew chapter 24 this week. I know a lot of you brothers and sisters have contacted me and said, when are we getting back into Matthew chapter 24? Well, we'll get back into that next week, Yahweh's will. Yahweh's will. But I had originally planned to be begin back into that this week, but I was reading my Bible, and I came across 1 John chapter 4, and it just jumped out at me in a way that it never had before, and I couldn't get it off of my mind, and so I had to study it, I had to go through it, look at it a little bit better than I had before, and so I decided to talk about it today, and I think it's appropriate um, here at the feast. So we begin again by reading verses 7 through 8, where John says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from Yahweh, and everyone who loves has been born of Yahweh and knows Yahweh. The one who does not love does not know Yahweh, because Yahweh is love. John begins here by saying, Dear friends, or beloved, your Bible might say. And I think that's what John would still say to us today. His brothers and his sisters are his dear friends, his beloved. He says, Let us love one another. What is love, brothers and sisters? Well, you all should know that. Love is and always has been the keeping of the commandments. In the next chapter, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John tells us that this is the love of Yahweh to keep His commandments. That's how we love Yahweh, and that's how we love one another. Earlier in this book, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, we read this. We must not love in word or in speech, 
but in deed and in truth. See, we love our neighbor by the deeds that we do to our neighbor. There's certainly nothing wrong with expressing our love towards our neighbor with our words. Dorothy, do you like me to hear you say, I love you, Sister Dorothy? And I like to hear, I know you do, Sister. I love to hear Sister Dorothy say, I love you, Brother Matthew. There's nothing wrong with that. But what John is saying is this, don't let that be where your love begins and ends. Don't only love in speech and in word, but love in deed, in action, and in truth. I was talking with two mechanics a couple of weeks ago. Both of them are, I guess, co-partners in their business. And one was uh, kind of getting on to the, the lead man because he said he was staying after hours. And he said he didn't get any appreciation for staying after hours and working on the trucks. And the lead man says, well, I told you, thank you. He said, I don't want that kind of thank you. And I quoted First John 3.18. And I told Jay, I said, Jay, I said, you need to tell Rodney, let us not love in word or in speech, <laughs> but in deed and in truth. <laughs> Give you some extra pay for extra hours. He laughed. He said, I'm going to have to keep you up here to quote Scripture while we work. That's First John 3.18. There's nothing wrong with telling your neighbor, I love you, I love you, but that should not be where it stops. You have to love in deed and in truth. You have to show people that you love them. You can tell somebody, I love you, and not really mean it. But you show people that you love them. And it absolutely is true. Our words have to be backed up by deeds. If we really love someone, we'll treat that person with respect, with kindness, faithfulness, patience, joy. If I love Brother Ron, I won't steal from Brother Ron. If I love Brother TJ, I won't bear false witness about Brother TJ. I'll practice keeping all of the commandments that apply from me to you, my neighbors. Every commandment has as its base love as the foundation. Love, the best one-word definition I can think of love for love is to serve, service, serve one another. Every commandment has as its base love. That's what love is, and we should love one another because, John says, love is from Yahweh. John goes so far to say that everyone who loves his brother has been born of Yahweh and knows Yahweh. A person who has been born from above, born of the Spirit, or experienced what the Bible calls the new birth will be a lover of their Christian neighbor. The last portion of verse 8 says, Yahweh is love. So when Yahweh puts His Spirit within you as is prophesied in Ezekiel 36, 26-27. He says, I will put My Spirit within you. When Yahweh puts His Spirit within you, love comes naturally because you've been given a new nature. The new nature in you connects with the new nature in your Christian brother or sister. Therefore, it produces a love, a care, and a concern for your neighbor. The same spirit that lives in you lives inside of your neighbor, your Christian neighbor. A person who is unloving, someone whose nature or lifestyle is to violate person-to-person commandments, that person, according to this passage, does not know Yahweh. They don't know Yahweh. They have not been born of Yahweh. If you have a portion of Yahweh's nature inside of you, which is Yahweh's spirit, you cannot practice hatred towards your neighbor. Yahweh's Spirit living inside of you 
cannot stand to see your brother or sister hurt or harmed. So it reaches out to them. Why? Not because of the old man, the fleshly Adam, but because of the new man. The love that Yahweh has put inside of you, a portion of His Spirit. So you love your neighbor. The Bible says Yahweh is love. And according to these verses, it is who He is. He is love. Not that just Yahweh loves, but He is love. It's His nature. And His children, those of us who have been given His nature or His Spirit, follow His example. Because Yahweh equals love. This means that a person who does not love does not know Yahweh. Verses 9-11 through 11 says, Yahweh's love was revealed among us in this way. Yahweh sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved Yahweh, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if Yahweh loved us in this way, we also must love one another. This is how we know that Yahweh loves us. He sent His one and only Son into the world so that we could have life. That's the love of Yahweh, friends. As I recently taught on the correct understanding of the first part of John 3.16, it is read best as, not for Yahweh so loved the world, but for Yahweh loved the world in this way. 1 John 4.9 complements John 3.16. It tells us how Yahweh loved us by sending His Son into the world so that we could have eternal life by placing our faith in Him. And as John writes here, it's not that we loved Yahweh. Let's not get the big head. He says love consists in this, not that Matthew loved Yahweh, but that Yahweh loved me or you and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. It is through Yahweh's Son that we receive life. He is our propitiation. Now that seems like a big word, and it is. It's got a lot of syllables in it. But it means that we receive mercy. The holy wrath that Yahweh justly has against sinners. It's a just and holy wrath against sinners who sin. Because of our violations of the law, Yahweh has that just wrath against us. Well, that wrath is taken away because someone else takes our punishment. That's what propitiation means. 1 John 4 says that His Son is the propitiation. He's the mercy for our sins. As Isaiah 53 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sin. The punishment for our peace fell on Him. And by His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. And Yahweh hath laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. Yahweh reached out to sinners like you and like me, worthless rebels, dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2 verse 1. And to us He sent His Son to receive the punishment that we were owed. The Son took our punishment willingly. The only begotten Son of Yahweh was not at variance with His Father. It's not that the Father had to coax or to force His Son into dying for our sins. The Son died for our sins willingly. You say, Brother Matthew, He did have some pressure upon Him as He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't He? Yes, He did. He prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. But, nevertheless, 
not my will, but yours be done. He went willingly. He went to that cross because he loved. He had the love of Yahweh in him as well. We'll talk about that in just a second. He died because he wanted to die. He was in complete and total harmony with the Father. He desired more than anything else that the will of the Father be done. We even see a picture of this in Genesis. And I think Genesis is like a prophetic, a messianic prophetic picture where Abraham sacrifices or goes to sacrifice who the book of Hebrews says is his only begotten son, Isaac. Isaac was Abraham's monogenes or only begotten, unique son through the promised wife, Sarah. And he took Isaac up on Mount Moriah to sacrifice him, and he was going to do it. And we don't get all of the details in the book of Genesis, but if we read the book of Jasher, which is mentioned twice in the Bible, it gives us some details that the son of Abraham, Isaac, went willingly. That's hard for me to fathom. Isaac wasn't a little boy when he was sacrificed either. He was a grown boy. He was a a young man. And he told his father Abraham, bind me tight, Dad, to the altar so I don't move when you you kill me. And praise Yahweh, the angel grabbed the hand of Abraham before the knife went into Isaac and he said, I know you won't withhold your only son from me. And then there was a ram. Yahweh provided a ram there in the thicket. That's a picture for us of how Abraham, Yahweh asked Abraham to sacrifice his only begotten son. That's a picture for us of Yahweh, what Yahweh did for us in him sacrificing his only begotten son. That's love. Brothers and sisters, that's love. That's the love of Yahweh. The Father ordained it, planned it, predestined it, and then he carried out that plan through his one and only son, begotten by the Spirit. When you look at the cross, when you meditate on the death of the Messiah on the tree, when you think about his body broken and his blood shed, I want you to recognize that what you're looking at is the love of Yahweh when you look at the cross. Yahweh sent His Son to be the mercy for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. He did not owe you anything. Yahweh doesn't owe us anything. But the Father loved us while we were yet enemies. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Father loved you, and the Son was in harmony with the Father's will. And the Bible says that if Yahweh loved us this way, We should love one another. That's what John is trying to get us to see here. And it helps me to see that I should love my brothers and sisters when I meditate on the love that Yahweh had for me. That makes me want to love not just Yahweh, but it makes me want to love my brother and my sister. Because Yahweh is love, and I want to be like Him. And I want to love people just like Yahweh loves us. I can feel the love. It melts my heart. It makes me weep sometimes. I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. It's always a humbling experience at the Master's Supper and the foot washing. But specifically, as Brother John, I was washing Brother John Bocare's feet, and I was overwhelmed with the love of Yahweh and uncontrollable tears began to pour out of my eyes because I love Brother John. And it's because Yahweh has placed a portion of His Spirit in Matthew. And He makes me to love Brother John. And my Spirit, the Spirit of Yahweh inside of me, connects with the Spirit of Yahweh in Brother John. And so I feel the love when I was washing His feet. And it just was overwhelming. And it was great and it was wonderful. And it warms my heart when I think about Yahweh loving me by sending His Son to be the mercy for my sins. We also ought to love one another when we meditate on that. Verses 12 through 13. 
John continues, No one has ever seen Yahweh. If we love one another, Yahweh remains in us and His love is perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given to us from His Spirit. Now, this is an interesting statement. Right in the middle of talking about how Yahweh loved us and how we should love one another, John decides to write, No one has ever seen Yahweh. What's John's point? Here's what I think John is saying in context. That's a good standalone verse. We could quote it by itself, but you cannot understand what John meant unless you try to figure out why did he include the statement in this context. See, you could say, well, the Bible says no man has ever seen Yahweh. That may be a true statement. But why did John say it right here? What's his purpose in mentioning it right here? This is what I think John is saying. No one has ever seen Yahweh, but we do see Him, and we know He exists when we experience this love that He places in our hearts by His Spirit. As verse 13 says, He has given to us from His Spirit. Yahweh took a small portion of His Spirit and placed it in us who have believed in the Messiah. And it enables us to love Yahweh, to love Yeshua, and to love one another. We experience a peace of Yahweh when we show love to our brothers and sisters. I think that's what John is writing here. None of us can see Yahweh, but there is a way that we can see His love when we love one another. So when I love you, in a way, you're experiencing Yahweh. Why? Because a portion of His Spirit has been placed inside of me. And when you love me, in a way, I'm seeing Yahweh, I'm experiencing Yahweh because a portion of His Spirit has been placed inside of you. So no man has seen Yahweh, but when we love one another, we do see Him in a way. We experience Him in a way. I think that's why John talks about this right here. See, when a brother hugs me and says, I love you, Brother Matthew, and helps me when I'm in need, do you know what I'm experiencing? I'm experiencing Yahweh. Brother Jerry hugged me last night. He said, I love you, brother. I'm experiencing Yahweh because the Spirit of Yahweh lives inside of Brother Jerry. And it connected with the Spirit of Yahweh that lives inside of me. So I can't see Yahweh, but I can in one way when my brother shows me that love of Yahweh. Oh, hallelujah. I got goosebumps when I'm talking about this. It is Yahweh loving through us as vessels of His Spirit. Listen to this. We are like small containers that contain a portion of His Spirit. However small it may be, it's still His Spirit. (laughs) It's still His Spirit, brothers and sisters. And that Spirit is mighty. And that Spirit causes things to happen. That Spirit causes love to happen. And that's so beautiful to me. That's so beautiful to me. If Yahweh's Spirit was not living inside of me, if I was an unregenerate person that did not know Yahweh, I would not have that natural inclination to love my Christian brother and my Christian sister. But because I'm born from above, because I'm regenerate, because I have the new heart, Yahweh's Spirit, read Ezekiel 36, is living inside of me. That's hard for me to fathom. But it's living somehow, no matter how small it is. I'm a container for the Spirit of Yahweh. And that makes me love. Verse 14, John continues, And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Now, Once again, we've got to realize that John inserts this verse in here for a contextual reason. This is a good standalone verse. I quote this verse by itself a lot. But 
there is an understanding to this verse in the context that John wrote it in originally. And so that's what we want to understand. And we have seen is how verse 14 begins. Notice at verse 14, and we have seen. That's a what's called a juxtaposition to verse, I think it was verse 12, where it says, no man has seen Yahweh. Now this verse is, and we have seen. Don't forget, we covered verse 12 through 13. No one has ever seen Yahweh. Verse 14 begins with, and we have seen. John is continuing his thought in verse 14 on the way that we do see Yahweh even though we can't see Him. (laughs) Remember, no one has ever seen Yahweh the Father in person, but we do see Him. We see a portion of His Spirit working every time that one of our brothers or sisters show us love. Why? Because Yahweh's Spirit lives inside of our brothers and our sisters. So that's a way that we see Yahweh. But verse 14 shows us the biggest way that the early believers saw or experienced Yahweh. When John writes, and we have seen. And remember, he's writing to people in the first century there. We read it, we get encouraged by it today. But specifically, John's writing to a first century audience. And he was writing to some of the people who actually experienced and did see that the Father sent the Son as Savior of the world. We read about it now. We rejoice about it now. But many Christians in the first century were there. They actually saw it. They watched Yeshua grow up. They watched Him minister. They watched Him heal people of demon possession and sickness. And then some people even watched Him suffer. Some people watched Him be beaten and then hung upon the cross and crucified. Many of them saw Him after He had been raised from the dead. According to 1 Corinthians 15, He was seen of of many people. And that, brothers and sisters, that is the biggest way that any of them saw Yahweh. They could see Yahweh's Spirit working when they loved each other, but they could see Yahweh's Spirit working the best or the most when they saw His Son love them. Why? Why? Here's why. If you understood what I just preached, you'll understand this. This is why. It is because Yeshua had more of Yahweh in Him than any of us. Therefore, when He loved That was the best and most way that anybody could see Father Yahweh. The Bible uses the Father and Son language in order to paint a word picture for us. And that's because if you watch sons, you get to see their father too. Ever since I can remember, I've had people tell me that I remind them of my dad. I've even been mistaken for my dad across the room before. I catch myself today, I'll catch myself sitting like my dad, holding my hands like my dad saying things that he says, thinking things like he thinks. And you know why? Because he's my dad. His genetics run through my veins. I can't get rid of him. Eric Jansen is my biological father. Now, I'm not my dad. I'm his son. He's my father. But when you see me, you see the father. And I tell people that. I joke about people when they say, man, you look just like your daddy. And I'll say, well, when you see me, you've seen the Father. I have my dad's genetics running through my veins. We are able to have some comprehension about the relationship that Yahweh and Yeshua have because they're constantly referred to in the Bible as the Father and the Son. And that language helps us to understand. It helps us to comprehend. John is telling his friends this in verse 14, or in verses 12 through 14. 
No man has seen Yahweh, but we can see Yahweh through the love that we have for one another. Because a portion of Yahweh's Spirit lives inside of us, Christians, us believers. And we see Yahweh the most through His Son. Because a fullness of Yahweh's Spirit lives inside of His Son. This is what verse 14 means when John says, And we have seen, and we testify. See, John and others had seen that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. They had experienced it. And when they saw Yeshua, they were seeing Yahweh. If you listen to Yeshua speak, you were listening to Yahweh speak. And this is because He is Yahweh's Son. Yeshua of Nazareth came into being by the power of Yahweh's Spirit. Think about this. Meditate on this. I've meditated on this. I've laid in my bed for hours and thought about this before because it's just so beautiful to me. The young virgin, Miriam, was told that she was going to have a baby in Luke chapter 1. But Miriam, even though she was young, she was a youth, she knew biology. She knew how things worked, even at her age. She knew how babies were made or procreated. And she knew that she had never been intimate with a man. She knew that. So when Gabriel, the angel from heaven, told her that she was going to conceive, she wondered how this was going to happen because she was a virgin and that's not possible. That's not possible. Of course, we know Gabriel later says with, with Yahweh all things are possible. Well, Gabriel didn't tell her when she said, how, how is this going to happen? Gabriel didn't tell her that she would go in unto Joseph when he got home from his carpentry work. Gabriel said these words in Luke one thirty five. He said, The Holy Spirit, and that's Yahweh's Spirit, will come upon you, Miriam, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of Yahweh. See, we have a portion of Yahweh's Spirit living inside of us, and that's pretty fantastic when you think about it. I mean, if you really meditate upon that, that a portion of Yahweh's Spirit is actually inside of you, that's pretty fantastic. But the baby born inside of Miriam was actually produced or begotten by Yahweh's Spirit. The power of Yahweh. Other Bible verses in the New Testament tell us that Yeshua has Yahweh's Spirit without measure. That's John chapter 3. And that the fullness of the divine being dwells inside of Yeshua. That's Colossians 1 and 2. That helps to explain how we see the love of Yahweh in the best way, with the most power, when we look at His Son. We read about it, and we get excited, but many brothers and sisters in John's day, in the first century, they actually saw it. And that's why John says in verse 14, and we have seen, John was one of them, (laughs) and we do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So where did Yeshua the Son come from? He was sent by the Father. You have a Father and you have a Son. The Father is the sender. The Son is the one who is sent. Verses 15 through 16 says, Whoever confesses that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh, Yahweh remains in him and he in Yahweh. And we have come to know and to believe the love that Yahweh has for us. Yahweh is love. And the one who remains in love remains in Yahweh. And Yahweh remains in him. According to 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, whoever makes this confession, listen very carefully, whoever makes this confession that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh, Yahweh remains in you 
and you remain in Yahweh. John has just told us that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And he's talking about the love that Yahweh has for us in sending His Son into the world. So we can know that Yahweh lives in us and we live in Yahweh by that confession that we make. So this is the confession of a saved person, that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh. 1 John 4.15 And by confession, it doesn't mean that you just repeat words or repeat phrases or come down to an altar and say these words after me. That's not what I'm talking about. But that you truly believe it, that it's part of your heart, part of your mind. You, you really believe it with all of your heart. You believe in the innermost parts of your being that Yahweh loved us by sending His Son to be the mercy for our sins. You believe that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You believe that Yeshua is Yahweh's Son. You love His Son. You believe in His Son. And you strive to follow the example of love that His Son gave to us. And when that is true, 1 John 4.15, when you confess that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh, Yahweh remains in you, and you remain in Yahweh. See, John and his fellow colleagues, his fellow disciples of Yeshua, the first century disciples, they saw and thus they testified that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior. And we have to receive their testimony. We have to receive their testimony. It's a salvific testimony. And if we receive it, 1 John 4.15, and if we confess that, we have salvation from our sins. So today, if you confess that Yeshua is the Son of Yahweh, Yahweh remains in you, and you remain in Yahweh. That's the salvation confession. The Son is the one the Father sent to be the propitiation for sin. You must accept the one that Yahweh sent. And John says we've come to know and believe in this love of Yahweh, this love that Yahweh showed to us. If we remain this love, this love for His Son, and this love for our brothers and sisters, we remain in Yahweh. Verse 17, In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as He is in the world. See, in all of this, catch this, in all of this, love is eventually complete or made perfect with us. And we can stand on the day of judgment with confidence because of what the Father has done for us in sending His Son, which is evidenced in us by the love that we have for Yahweh, for Yeshua, and our brothers and our sisters. And when we love, it's proof that Yahweh lives inside of us when we love. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We have no need to be afraid when we experience this love and operation. But I think that I need to read this verse over and over. Because many times, many times, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm not good enough. I'm afraid that I don't do enough. And I'm afraid that I fall short. And you know what the reality is? I'm not good enough and I don't do enough and that I do fall short. That's the reality. But I do experience that love that Brother John speaks of here every day. And I experience that. I experienced it over the past two days. And so Brother John says, if you experience that, perfect love drives out fear. And you have confidence. When you stand before Yahweh on the day of judgment, you can have confidence. You can have confidence because you've experienced that love that John's writing about in this chapter. So you don't have to doubt. You don't have to be afraid. 
Perfect love drives out fear. I need to quote that verse to me every day. Perfect love drives out fear, Matthew. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yahweh lives inside of you. You're experiencing that love. You're experiencing that love. I love Yahweh. I think about Him all the time. I can't get Him off of my mind. I love and I believe in His Son, Yeshua. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about His Son. I can't get Him off of my mind. My deepest desire is to follow the Father and His Son. That's what I want to do. And I want to love my brethren. And do I always do that? No, I don't. But you know what? When I don't, it grieves my heart when I don't. And it breaks my heart when I let Yahweh down or when I let my brethren down. It breaks my heart. And I always want to ask Him for forgiveness and I always want to ask my brother for forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, ask for forgiveness much and often because you and me need it much and often. Ask for it often. Daily pray it. Father, forgive me for my sins and help me to forgive my neighbor when he sins against me. Ask for it often. Yahweh gives it out liberally to those who repent and who ask and who confess. I love my brothers and my sisters. I love you people here today. I experience that love in my heart and it produces things in me, but I don't take the credit. I like what Brother Jerry said. I don't take the credit. I cannot boast because there's nothing that I have that I have not received. Everything I have I've received from Yahweh. I know what enables me to produce good works. It's because I'm attached to the vine. Remember the last sermon? where Yeshua says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, my Father's the gardener. Every branch that abides in me and produces fruit, my Father comes along and prunes those branches so that it can produce more fruit. And just as a branch is not able to produce fruit except it abides in the vine, so can you not produce fruit unless you abide in me. He's the vine. Any good works I produce is only because I'm abiding in the vine. The vine is the one that produces the fruit. I'm just the branch growing off of the vine. I'm feasting on the bread of life that Yahweh sent from heaven. I feel it. What I mean is I really do feel it inside of me. I cannot explain it. I can try to explain it. But I know that Yahweh has given me His Spirit because I cannot help but desire strongly, strongly to follow Him. And I think it's something that if a born-from-above person tries to explain to a person who, who has not experienced being born from above, born of the Spirit. I don't think it's possible for the natural man to grasp this. I think it's only when a regenerate person talks to another regenerate person that you can grasp and rejoice in what is being said here in this passage. I really do. So it's not something I can explain to the world necessarily. I can try, but unless Yahweh grabs a hold to your heart and changes your mind, you won't be able to feel what I'm talking about that strongest, deepest desire from the depths of your heart and soul. Even on the darkest days that I've had, and I've had some dark days, I still come back to meditating on Yahweh and on His love. I still think about how Yahweh sent His Son to be the mercy for my sins. And it has to be. The only reason that I meditate on that so strongly, there's only one reason that could be. It's because Yahweh's given me a portion of His Spirit. That's why. Perfect love drives out fear. That's why we need to think about Yahweh's love more so we can drive out that fear from us and not stand before Him afraid. What I mean is not that we don't have reverence for Him, but we don't stand stand before Him afraid in the sense that we're going to be judged to everlasting destruction, but that He's going to look at us and see the perfect robe of righteousness of Yeshua around us and say, enter in. 
enter in. In Matthew chapter 7, the ones who thought they did the works to get in, the ones who said, look at what we've done in your name. He says, no, I never knew you. But in Matthew chapter 25, the ones that actually made it into the kingdom, they said this, well, when did we see you and clothe you? When did we uh, feed you? When did we do these things? See, the ones that were saved, they did all the good works, but they didn't take any credit. They didn't even realize they were doing them. But he said, enter into life. You have eternal life. As love becomes more and more complete in us, fear will be driven out. And when the day of judgment finally comes and love is perfected in us, according to verse 18, we will stand before the judgment seat with humility on our face, but a confidence in our hearts. Why? Because our sins have been fully paid for by the Son of Yahweh. What has my Savior done for me? My Savior has fully paid for all my sins and set me free from the tyranny of the devil. What has my Savior done for me? Has He done it for you today? Oh, I feel the presence of Yahweh's Spirit inside of me so strong. We have been experiencing His love in our Christian walk upon the earth. Oh, what a glorious day. Oh, what a beautiful truth. Oh, what a confidence we have when perfect love drives out fear. In verse 19, we will end with verse 19 today where it says, We love because He first loved us. I told somebody the other day, I said, I love Yahweh, but it's only because He loved me first. <laughs> That's the only reason I love Him. That's Scripture, brothers and sisters. Don't get upset with that. That's Scripture. Let us never boast of our love for Yahweh or our neighbor. The reason that we love, not just in word and in speech, the reason that we love in deed and in truth and we do for our neighbor, the reason we love, according to this verse, is because Yahweh loved us first. He's the one who took the initiative. He's the one that started the process. He's the one that sent His Son. We're not worthy in ourselves. 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10, Love consists not in this, not that we love Yahweh, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Doesn't thinking about Yahweh's love make you want to love? Doesn't it make you want to love? Doesn't pondering about how the Father sent the Son to be the mercy, the propitiation for our sins, to hang upon a cross to be made a curse for us so we could have life, doesn't that make you want to love? Well, when I think about the Son willingly going to the cross in submission to His Father, in submission to His Father, Brother Jerry, you're correct. He could have called 12 legions of angels down to take Him off of that cross at any time. He told Pilate, he said, no man takes my life. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it back up again. This commandment I have received of my Father. He could have withstood death. But He went willingly to the cross. Why? Because He said, not my will, but yours be done. He was in full submission to the Father, Brother Ron. Full and total, complete submission to His Father. He gave His life. What more could He give? And how about the Father? A lot of people leave the Father out. But John 3.16 says, God loved the world in this way. That's talking about the Father. The Father has love. Not just the Son. When we talk about love, everybody wants to talk about Jesus, the Son. But look, that's true. But look, the Father has love. The Father, God loved us in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Yes, that makes me want to love. But I'm never to think that my love is a reason to boast. I love and you love only, only because He first loved us. Dear friends, I say with you, as Brother John opened up in 1 John 4, verse 7, my friends, dear friends, 
Let us love one another. Let us love one another. When you see your brother, tell him you love him. When you see your sister, tell her you love her. But don't let it stop there. If Yahweh loved us in these ways that we went over tonight, we ought to also love one another. We ought to also love one another. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you. Thank you for another time in your word. Father, I pray that it would be real to all of us. And that the love that you had for us would spark and prick our hearts to make us love one another more. Father, I want to be an assembly that loves to love. I pray that we might meditate on these things throughout the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Repenting of our sin, evaluating our lives, progressing in our sanctification. Bring us back here next week for another time of fellowship and thanksgiving. I thank you, Yahweh, and I love you. It's through your Son I pray.